0: Do do do
1: Jesse Laborda, and you're welcome listening to CITR 101 to
2: the show. Wow, that was a little weird. Anyways, welcome to the show. This is the Arts Report. You were joined by me, host Ashley Park, and our arts reporter,
1: Jake. Howdy,
2: howdy, Jake. And today's show is December the 12th. Is that right? No, it's not the December the 12th. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at the date wrong. It's flipped. It is December the 9th. My gosh, my gosh. I
1: get the year wrong sometimes, so. That's hey, and also we're changing
2: me. next year. It's going to be like 2016. Isn't that weird? 2016?
1: It'd be weird if it was 2050. But
2: Oh, that's true. I, I guess that would be weird. <laughs> anyways, Anyways, we're going to open this show with kind of a much more, you know, before we get right to the cool interviews we have for you today, we're going to open it much more gently. I know that everyone is going through exams, going through study season right now. So we're going to talk a little bit about study culture, a little bit about exam culture. Yes, there's a culture around studying and exams.
1: There's a culture around everything, you know. There's a culture there's around everything, that's You that look hard right.
2: enough. Whether you are the type to kind of um, study in a large group or study by yourself, we want to make sure that everyone is being as healthy as they can during this very stressful time. One thing that I personally like to do is I like to rewrite notes for almost everything, but it's not just um, writing, kind of like writing for the sake of writing, basically writing for the most important points and saving your notes. Because I think people actually get a little bit more stressed out when they flip through how many pages of notes they have and they don't know where to really kind of start because it feels like you're reading an entire book again.
1: Because you can't streamline the information. And when you summarize, it's you breaking down the information to understand it. So it's, it's an optimal process, I suppose.
2: Mm-hmm. And also another good thing that I actually learned recently is to actually have a water bottle with you. Really? Yeah, while you're while you're studying, yeah. A water bottle or like or like a small snack because what happens? Full of is, Red Bull. <laughs> or Red Bull if you are so inclined. Red Bull coffee. Whichever. Aren't, isn't Red Bull kind of like a diuretic,
1: like coffee, though? Uh, it contains caffeine, so caffeine is a is a diuretic. Yeah, it also yeah. contains taurine. That's where you get the the Red Bull from. See, I I, I use I I used to drink a lot of coffee. I can't take Red Bull. <laughs> so what what I've recently done is they uh-huh. got those caffeine pills, right? Yeah. So recently, what I just do is I crush those up and I snort them. You know that d- does the trick wonderfully. Sure you wonderfully. did. Sure yeah. you did. Yeah. Anyway, next did. they'll be suppositories. Just saying. Ew.
2: Would anyone do that, though, just to get, like, a higher exam score?
1: If anywhere, yeah, if anywhere, college campuses. Yeah, if anywhere.
2: Anyway, anyway. A good thing to do is, again, take something, you know, with you so that you can kind of, basically you're, yeah. you're doing, like, a huge workout but for your mind. And, you know, when you're working out with your body, you always have, like, water or maybe, like, a little snack to help you get going? Of course. Same thing with the mind. So take a little break and stuff like that. But for people who are kind of like more of a group learner, are you kind of a group learner or more indi-
1: individual? Uh, for me, it's, it's it can go either way. I, I do different things when I do that. I like mm-hmm. to do the rewrite thing if I have the time. Yeah. If I don't have the time, what I just do is I just say them to myself. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's a strange thing, but it's the same way I memorize lines.
2: Oh, okay. So that's
1: it, it, it's it's what I do. And when I, when I when I work, what I like to do is uh, have people quiz me, and then I quiz other people, yeah, and yeah. then that's when you like reconfigure the information. I like, think that's a good. How tactic. does this become a question? Which is a great mm-hmm. bit of thought to get into. Mm-hmm. No. if you know, So I kind test of like, fairly well.
2: Yeah. No, that...
1: I think, test, anyway. You test fairly well. I'm fairly sure.
2: <laughs> fairly confident. Yeah. <laughs> but it, what you're saying is, right, it's good to have, I think, at least maybe if you don't like being in a group, like one other person to just kind of like feed, like, you know, have like a feedback of information to. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Because, certainly.
2: you know, it's kind of hard to just, it gets also a little bit boring, and you also lose a little bit of motivation. Because it's such a oh, huge yeah. thing to do. You kind of go, I can't handle this all on my own. This is kind of overwhelming. Uh, And then that's how we kind of get to procrastination and stuff like that. Because if the mountain is too big for us to climb by ourselves, we kind of go, what's the point?
1: You kind of give it up.
2: You kind of give it up, I think. And that's the reason why I think it's good to kinda of have at least one study partner. And that's
1: why writing it out works all well, because you can break it down. You can yeah. you can um, you can be Hannibal and use vinegar and melt your way through this mountain so you can move your elephants through it and then conquer Rome. This metaphor became a meta-forgotten very quickly, but
2: I kind of I kind of feel that way too. Yeah. But it's all right. It's all right. It's creative. It's creative. Thank you. Another thing that we want to tell people about, you know, studying for exams about kind of getting ready is that Before your exam, I know a lot of people will try to study as much as you can. Please take a good night's sleep. Just take a really good, long sleep before your exam. It's going to help you memorize your information so much better. You're not going to lose focus. It's going to make you feel much more better. And when you feel better, you perform better.
1: I'll give you that. Mm
2: -hmm. Anyways, that's kind of like a very gentle sort of reminder to take care of yourself during this exam season. We're going to go into commercials and then right after we're going to have some very cool interviews.
0: Boogaloo.
3: The UBC English Students Association invites students to submit their original work to be presented at the colloquium, the second annual conference to be hosted by the ESA. This conference features presentations from undergraduate students, graduate students, and faculty members, and offers a great opportunity to showcase your research and to see the work being done by other members of the English department. Submissions will be accepted until 1159 p.m. on Friday, December 11th. Please visit UBCEnglish.com and the UBC English Students Association on Facebook for more information. LA-based rock trio LA Witch returns to Vancouver to play Thursday, December 10th at the Cobalt with special guests Fields and Eric Campbell in the dirt. Doors open at 8, the show starts at 9.30, and the show is 19 plus. Find your information and tickets on sale now at TimberConcerts.com or in real life at Red Cat and Zulu Records. This is Dan from This
1: is Dr. the what? Howdy, folks. We're the Bitter Weed This is Zach from Black Breath. Hi, this is Audie from
3: Pokemon. Bones. Hello, Vancouver. This is Carolyn Mark.
1: I am Water crime Guide. This is Dan Mangan
4: Hey, this is David Pepke from Denmark
1: This is Dylan Oslick from Slingshot
4: Hi, this is Dick Valentine from Electric City Hi, everybody, this is Fred Penner on the Radio Waves This is Fred Schneider This is Colleen from
3: GBH
2: Hi, this is the Gearing Up Inventors <laughs> Hi, this is Ben from The Gossip Hi, hey, this
0: is Brian from Hellshock This is Scruffmouth the Scribe I'm Shani from NFC.
3: This is Sab Gray from Iron Cross Hey, we're J plus J plus J This is Jack Mercer from Jack Mercer and the Whiskey Bandits It's James Wood Half of Mega Bear. This is Jerron Paxton, American musician. This is Swami Bill and the Shameless Weed Hounds from New Orleans, Louisiana, east of the Mississippi.
4: Hi, this is John Boutain from New Orleans, Louisiana. This is Jesse
1: Laborde. I'm Peter Mansbridge. Hi, this is Ron McLean of Hockey Slash Movie Night in Canada. You're listening to CITR 101.9 FM, also on the web, citr.ca. In UBC, University of British Columbia.
2: All right. Welcome back to the Arts Report, everybody. Today on the line, we have Christine Quintana. She is the recipient of a Jesse Richardson Award, and she is actually one of the leads in Heather's The Musical, which is coming to us very soon. It will be in the new year, January 6th to 17th, at the York Theatre Welcome to the show, Christine.
4: Hey. Hi
2: there. Welcome. For welcome. me. So, Christine, you are playing the role of Veronica Sawyer. She's the protagonist of the series. I wanted to ask, what's the relationship between you and the original 1988 movie?
4: You know what? This is so terrible to admit, but I actually um, hadn't seen the movie before. Oh, really? Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I know. I don't know how I avoided that, but I was a mm-hmm. weird kid. I missed Like everything, every pop culture reference, (laughs) and it was so uh, amazing to watch the movie and then realize that like half the things that we say Mm -hmm. come from that movie. Yeah, and that like it's set up, it's like set up Mean Girls and like so many other teen movies. It's basically. I watched it and it felt like I'd already seen it like a bunch of times. It was Mm -hmm. awesome.
1: Kind of hard to believe it came out before Mean Girls, given how much darker it is. It
2: is. It's, It's like the precursor to Mean Girls. So I wanted to ask because you didn't know about it before then. How did you actually get involved with the project? What made you go, "Hey, I kind of want to do this?"
4: Um, I have known the director David C. Jones since I was like a little awkward 13-year-old trying to trying to make it in musical theater. Oh, wow. Huh. Um, yeah, yeah, and we kind of kept in touch and um he very kindly kept uh coming to see my work, including um a musical that I co-wrote that I performed in um, mm-hmm. and then out of the blue he just approached me and asked me if I wanted to do this project and I was excited to work with David and uh, I knew that the show was super popular the musical was popular and so, yes, it was movie, right. so I thought well let's do this.
2: So now that we know you have a really good kind of relationship with your director what was it like kind of working with your other castmates the Heathers in particular?
4: Oh, the Heathers are just incredible. Mm-hmm. So that's um, Cynthia Yusuf and mm-hmm. Doe and Devin Buswood. And there are these three, you know, it's a real treat. I got to say, like, the entertainment industry, you know, um, in general, but uh, musical theater in particular can be really rough for being a young woman. There's usually one part in a show for a young lady, and it that's sucks. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is like a vehicle for like six fierce female leads so it's been so awesome to get to know those ladies and see their incredible talent and we have so much fun in rehearsal it's just such a positive environment because like as much as heathers is about you know uh female aggression yeah (laughs) bullying uh Uh it's also about female friendship um Mm -hmm. so it's like that's one of the best things i've gotten so far from the process is getting to hang out with those uh those gals
2: well, that's great. I also wanted to ask, what was it like, kind of working with um, the relationship of um, Veronica and JD? Now that you kind of like familiarized with, you know, the show and the movie itself,
0: it's
4: um, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's it's like putting my my serious hat on sometimes. Um, It's interesting to separate your view, your personal view of the politics of a piece from getting inside of it as a person and not standing outside of it and judging it. Mm -hmm. Because um, a lot of JD's behavior, like as much as, you know, in the movie, he's like Christian Slater and he's super hot and he's got (laughs) the cool jacket and everything. Uh When you look at his behavior, a lot of it is really abusive and alarming. Um, And so it's important to me to note that and to honor that and not to gloss over that. Um, and that's something I really appreciate about how David's approach to this show is that as much as it's like really funny, mm-hmm. um, quick and great music numbers and everything, there are those moments where you look at this behavior and you think, oh, man, that is not okay. Mm-hmm. Is super not okay. And I think that especially with sort of a 2015 feminist glance on it, you're like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, the, what happened here?
1: Would you say that the movie frames it as okay in light of the original story and the current adaptation?
4: Well, it's hard to say. Like, I think it doesn't. Like, I think ultimately it doesn't. And um, the musical and the movie are not exactly the same. There's a couple little changes. So I would say that the the musical... has taken down it, like, a little bit mm-hmm. in some places and taken the violence and everything way up in other directions. So you'll just have to come come see how that, that shakes down. But um,
2: Would you kind of uh, uh, classify it as... Sorry to interrupt. Would you kind of classify it as more of a dark comedy, highlight on the
4: comedy? I would say for sure, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, Right now in the rehearsal process, we're playing for real. Like, it's got that great camp vibe to it, which will, of course, come out no matter what. So mm-hmm. got all those, like, sweet, iconic lines and everything. But for now, we're playing for, like, the truth of it. And what does it feel like when you're a teenage girl who has lost her best friends and there's just this one guy between her and being completely alone? And what are you willing to put up with mm-hmm. just for that? Um, you know, it's a it's a question that has a pretty dark answer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just your classic light musical theater uh, topic, With <laughs> a
2: little bit of <laughs> a little bit of a murder involved. But a bit of murder. Okay. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask is because it is a musical ad- adaptation, and these these songs are not you know prevalent in the you know original. Which is your favorite song to perform, and why? If you don't mind me asking that question, of course.
0: Oh, of
4: course. Um, Wow, I've got two favorites right now. Um, One of them uh, is called Seventeen. Oh, yes. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's kind of just at the moment where Veronica's had enough and she's asking, J.D., like, can't we just be 17? Like, can't we just, you know, skip class and go to the beach and buy clothes and make out in the park? Like, why, why do things have to be like this? And I feel like... Uh, as much as it's, like, case in this kind of absurd thing of, like, they've murdered three of their classmates and, like, (laughs) their world is, is crazy, that's how it feels from the inside when you're a teenager and, like, let's be real, in my 20s like, it still feels like that and you have this feeling always of, like, oh, why can't I just be in the moment and, like, be young and why does everything have to be so complicated and scary and unmanageable.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: So it's basically like a dope eighties ballad about that. <laughs> but my favorite one to watch that I'm on stage for that I don't perform is mm-hmm. um a song called Candy Store where oh, the yes. heathers basically mm-hmm. show how hot and awesome they are. And man, like wait till you see these girls, they can sing their faces off and dance at the same time Awesome costumes, just the best.
2: I've seen the costumes Make, that, um, of course, the ones that Broadway had to put up. Very iconic, really, just stunning. The contrast and everything.
4: Yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of fun um, that uh, the costumes have like the classic sweet eighties aesthetic mm-hmm. with, I would shoulder say, pads, modern yeah. silhouette. Shoulder pads. Mm-hmm. Like the shoulder, the shoulder pads are like maybe not as extreme. Like I think personally, you know, I'm probably gonna get in trouble for saying this, but some of the Heather's costumes in the movie, I'm like, no thanks. So I think nah, I, I think it. what we've got going it. on for this production, uh, what mm-hmm. Sasha's got for us, is way way more attractive. So we've got sort of a a nouveau '80s look. Oh,
1: is JD's costume the same? The uh, long black coat and
4: uh, oh, you and know, you can't go scene. too far from the uh, the iconic uh <laughs> the iconic things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think there there's going to be a trench coat in the show. Mm.
2: <laughs> what was it like working with the musical director of the production?
4: Ah, uh, um Stephen Greenfield. Right. I've also known him forever and ever. Oh. And mm-hmm. um yeah, I actually met him when I was the same age as Veronica is in the show. Um so it's kind of fun <laughs> that like my first um First show I did with him, I was playing a very kind of sweet little ingenue. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm playing this uh, uh, character that, you know, kind of has a sex scene on stage during a musical number. So <laughs> really? it's a little bit like doing that in front of your big brother. It's like a little awkward at times, but <laughs> he's one of the best <laughs> in town. And he's putting together a really awesome band for, uh, for the show. So mm-hmm. I'm really, really grateful to get to work with him on this.
2: I just wanted to ask... Um when, when you were younger, would you, do you think you would have been kind of like Veronica, or do you think I'd be much more different than Veronica?
4: I think of all the characters, oh, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the Heather's has a journey, and I won't say too much, um, but she's very different on the inside than she is on the outside. And I was never, I was never mean to anybody, but in fact, I was so nice to everybody that I didn't. I didn't leave any room for myself. Like, Ah. I just thought that Mm -hmm. being nice to everybody and everybody liking me was what it meant to have friends. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until, like, university, until I was at UBC, that I realized that having people who take you, you know, for better or for worse, um, those are your real friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's somebody in the show who feels really, really alone. Um, And that's actually somebody I kind of identify with. I think I'm a little different than Veronica. I I never had the edge, <laughs> the, that the emo, has that the picture.
2: emo angsty phase, especially in the in the movie you know, when the, she has like the diary and everything. I'm just thinking
1: the oh, you know, yeah. cigarette lighter to the hand, or the fact that J.D. didn't even hesitate to use that.
4: Oh, I know, mm-hmm. I know, <laughs> no, it's oh, man. um, but but there there was that feeling like, whether it's like you know the kids. Some of the kids at my school like partied a lot, or yeah. you know, there's that that of course iconic moment with the with the cigarette and everything. And yeah. but whatever it is, whether it's like it's working too hard or being too friendly or pushing everybody away or beating people up, you know, everyone developed that coping mechanism, right, for those big scary feelings that you had in high school of like, how do I outrun this thing that's chasing me? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it well, looks different for everybody, but everybody had it, right.
1: M to the A to the S to the K. Put the mask on your face just to make your next day. <laughs> Fugees.
2: <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to ask Christine. After Heathers, I know I'm just kind of already overreaching and stuff like that. But do you have any other production coming up for you?
4: Uh, I do actually. Mm-hmm. I have. Um, I run a company um, with my friend Laura McLean. That's called Delinquent Theater, mm-hmm. um, and we make new shows. Usually, I write them and I'm in them, and uh, Laura directs them. And it's not announced yet, but we've got a show coming up in the spring oh, wow. in mm-hmm. uh, in May. So if you kind of look us up on DelinquentTheater.com or find us on Facebook. The you announcement know, is going to come out soon.
2: Can you give us a little, with, little teaser? It's
4: with somebody else, so I don't want to get in trouble. Oh, for okay, all soon, right, but, all um, right. I won't I whittle uh, that out of you. <laughs> it's kind of a fusion of theater, classical music performance, and dance.
2: Oh, wow, that sounds very intriguing. I love when it becomes kind of like a, a lot of a blending with style too.
4: Totally. I mean, we're in, you know, the the theater community. Like, we know we gotta we gotta outrun Netflix. <laughs> you gotta have something that you're not gonna see mm-hmm. at home in your sweatpants. Well, one uh, thing that people will, that's
1: an excellent yeah. that's an excellent philosophy.
2: But one thing that people you know won't be able to see on Netflix in their sweatpants will be actually Heather's the musical. You are again starring in it as Veronica Sawyer. It's on January sixth to the seventeenth at the York Theater. And can people buy tickets right now?
4: Yes, they can. You can go to tickets uh, dot the And uh, there's one of the iconic lines in the show, we'll actually get you tickets for $20 instead of the regular $30. Oh. And that uh, code word is Barry. So if you put that in your shopping Mm -hmm. cart, when you're buying your tickets at tickets.thecouch.com, you get a discount.
2: Is there any kind of, like, case-sensitive, you have to spell it like this kind of way, or no? Mm, Lowercase. Lowercase, Lowercase. okay. (laughs) Lowercase, again, it was Barry.
4: Very. Very. Excuse me. Yeah, you know when they're like, oh, it'll be so very. Yes, of course. That's it.
2: <laughs> All right. Great. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Christine, we wish you the best with Heather is a Musical. It sounds amazing. Again, um, the college very easy way for people to get to it. Wonderful venue. Going to be a wonderful show. I can't wait to see it, actually.
4: I can't wait for you to see it. We're looking forward to having uh, having an audience. <laughs>
2: All right. I don't think you, you're you going to need to worry. This sounds like a great show, and I encourage all of our listeners to actually check it out. If they haven't seen the original movie, check that out, too. Mm-hmm. But this is definitely going to be like its own thing. I, I think it's going to be really great. Thank you so much for being on our show.
4: Thanks for having me. Cheers. All
3: right.
2: Cheers. All right. So... That seems really really cool. Again, that's in coming up in that, that January. That seems like an awesome show. Yeah, January sixth the seventeenth. I saw pictures of it on Broadway. Beautiful costuming. It's kind of it's kind of like become its own thing now. Very like iconic in the way it's kind of like prep, but evil prep almost. Yeah,
1: I like that though. Like Heather's mm-hmm. is a really unique feature, and it's 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 a probably it's it's a really good way to it's did it handles its material really well, which that's hard to do, you know. Uh, the whole there is somebody told me that um, I think this was actually a review of it. Heather's got was a lot less funny after Columbine because JD's the guy in a oh, long black coat. yeah yeah yeah.
2: And well, it, I'm like, mm-hmm. no no, Heather's is
1: still really is is still really funny because it mm-hmm. did not cause Columbine. There's no connection between the two, mm-hmm. and it's just a really well it's a really well written, well presented piece of fiction. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen the musical, but now I really want to.
2: Hey, it'll be coming up. Rock and roll. Wanna go? Right. You want to go with me? Let's go. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Anyways, that is Heather's The Musical. It is January 6th to 17th at the York Theater. We're going to go to a few commercials, and we have another cool interview for you.
0: We guarantee that you will
3: be able to make a balloon poodle within the first day.
0: Here at the UBC Ant Club, we
1: just like to talk about ants and compare ant farms. Uh, It's really cool. Paperclip Club is all about, well, paperclips mostly. At Blah Club, you can blah, 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 blah. (laughs) (laughs) Explosions. So come check us out on the floor of the Student Union Building. we got all types of crazy s*** for you to do. Or check us out online at www.citr.ca.
3: Become a part of a movement to think beyond conventional boundaries. The third annual AUS Humanities and Social Sciences Conference,
2: happening on January 16th, invites all undergraduate students to submit their research related to this year's theme of innovation. At this year's conference, you will be inspired by your fellow students' presentations and ideas. Applications are being accepted until December 16th. For more information, please visit the events on the AUS Facebook page. Welcome back to the uh, show. Right now, we are um, waiting for uh, our next um, uh, interview. E. But while that's happening, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what flea. Flea. Great.
1: F L E E. Although the F L E A flea is actually at the center of it. It's. It's. This is a very strange show, and I'm going to preface this: a really awesome show. <laughs> It was on at the Fox Cabaret in uh, down in Vancouver, and it is, sadly enough, no longer on. And I, I, I meant to promote this uh, earlier, but our show was knocked off the air during 24 hours of student power, and in that time, between that time now, Flea has stopped running. But I, I would like to say this about Flea. This was an amazing show. There were four main actors in the cast all of them insanely good there was a musical there was a, there was a band too which had this very interesting jazzy score there were there was drums a, a bass a piano and there was one other thing. I believe my hearing's not. Uh, my hearing in one ear is uh, at about five percent, so I, I couldn't necessarily pick it out. And the presence of some of these uh, the, these actors on the stage. So there was this main character Archibald Twill, who's this watchmaker, and his his girlfriend Caprice. They're very destitute, and this is set in sort of an ambiguous timeline. This could be anywhere, anytime. Actually, no, it's in Vancouver. It's set in Vancouver. The Granville Hotel. I think it's it's a hotel on uh, Granville, and that's 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 a uh, time in the plot. But there's no time really given, and there's two other main characters: their landlady, Madame Reynard, who's this kind of kind of a holy terror. She's this exploitative, somewhat amoral landlady, and um,
2: uh-huh. you have that's that's such a stretch from the uh, convention of landlords. Uh. <laughs> no, it's
1: not. And then there's uh, this guy who owns a flea circus. Yes owned a flea circus, this character, who has this lupe, this sort of jeweler's lupe attached to a top hat and these white gloves, apparently very elegant fingers. It's like he's m- m- repairing a flea-sized top hat when they meet him. This guy's delivery is just one of the most awesome things in the history of things like just his really how yeah he's just got this rich booming sort of John Houston type of voice oh okay it's one of the things that it's one of those things that gives every remark this sense of conviction and theatricality it's just it's amazing but all five, all four main actors excellent and then there were the fleeks these uh, younger actors who were kind of a chorus sort of a Greek chorus of sorts they were all dressed in black different kinds of it like a black bass layer uh, not really so sort of a costume layer I. I wasn't certain. I guess it. Uh, they were sort of like the background and the plot of this. The, but they were also they were also involved in the show. I cannot do it justice by describing it. It's a very strange show. Like this is the kind of show that um, you'd expect uh, Tom Waits and Jim Jarmusch to put on on their spare time. Oh, no, not on maybe maybe not on their spare time. But like it's 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 just a very it's it's weird in the best way. It's it's a fantastic it's fantastically presented in that aspect. The the plot, I'll try to summarize. There's this flea, the human flea, is part of the plot. One of which, uh, they find in Archibald Archibald ends up with one in his nose and his girlfriend, uh, Caprice she she saves it, the flea. And they take it to this uh this flea fellow, the fellow with the John Houston voice, whose every moment on stage is a reward. And they um he uh, he tells them about how he had a flea circus in the old days, and it sadly enough died out because of you know hygiene, pesticides, the things like that. In short, that put him out of business. And they they um, they grow to train this flea. I don't feel bad spoiling this because it's again it's, it's no longer running, which is a shame. I'd, I'd see it again, but um, they train their flea, and they 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 don't heed his last lesson which is you must never overfeed this flea i can't do his voice well enough here but i'm just trying to convey that sense of his sort of bassy powerful delivery anyway they have this flea and this flea uh breeds more fleas which caprice takes quite a shine to they're like her children and as archibald is going out to get things to make uh using spending the last of their money to get to make food and uh, a room for the fleas Madame Renard spying through the keyhole sees Caprice with the um, doing something with the fleas. Like it's never specified what, but it's apparently freaky and captivating. Uh, I, again, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but it's 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 something to do with the fleas. There's many things you can imagine. All of them are very entertaining. Anyway. Um, so she proposes to Archibald that they can make a good business by selling people the ability to look into the keyhole with a special magnifying glass fixed to it, which Archibald makes, and the, uh, basically what happens with that is Renard, Madame Renard is a friend of this flea circus guy who realizes they've overfed the fleas, and it's never specified what exactly that does, but basically there are eight of the fleas and they um, develop It's they seem to develop their own personality they uh, seem to develop their own ability again it, it's, it's hard to summarize the show it's ver- something that very much has to be seen to be believed and it'll blow you away because it's actually a very affecting show there's kind of a it's kind of sad in the end there's um because it ends up with Archibald only has one flea left named, uh, named Caprice something something very affecting about that and this show the fox cabaret the place that put on this show i'm just so glad it exists because the people who uh who put this on also i believe they deserve some mention is um they as a uh Oh, dread. I can't think of it for a second. And it's but very it's talented.
2: It's a, it's a very my, talented group.
1: Electric Company Theater, that's there you it. Go. I, yes. was thinking, I was thinking i was thinking I mean, Tom, something Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison. <laughs> then then uh then something and then I think of different things because mm-hmm. Thomas Edison was a terrible person. Uh-oh. And then uh, uh but then in the end I Electric Company Theater. Er, and Electric Company Theater um put on Flea as part of it and with uh the help of some well, it's, it's. I'm not doing a very good job of this, but this was an amazing effort. Electric Company Theater, major props for that, and the Fox Cabaret. I don't is another is an interesting venue to go to because this is an old porn theater. You go into it and you're like, oh, okay, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then I talked to um, a woman named Sherry Sadler, and she's very informative, lovely person. And, and she, uh, she told me about the history of the venue, the relation of the show between itself. And it's, it's just a very good venue. It was an excellent show. And I highly recommend, if, if you want to go down to Fox Cabaret, that you, um, that you give it a try. There is a bar in the, in the showroom. It's fairly well-stocked. It's a, it's a great space. They have booths along the side. and Then they have chairs for the audience. And just, it just seems like a great place to go. And um that's what I can say about that.
2: Before coming to see the show, you know, the, the flea, did you have any preconceived kind of like thoughts about it or expectations?
1: I actually didn't know what to expect for this one because well, um oh again, the names of this electric company theater, studio fifty-eight, Langara College. Can you hear me? Then also like there's some others, there's other agencies here like just read. Le- um, le- Reading the role of agencies here, like Barking Sphinx Performance, Elbow Theatre, Arrival agency, I didn't, uh, I didn't quite know what to think about that. It's, it seems like a very interesting story, and but I didn't know how they were going to present it. It's, it's built as an act of self-preservation, set to rare and uh, rare and uh, okay, my memory's going. My memory is really going here. Rare, rare and exciting, rare and intriguing music. I, God. It's 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 a uh, it's it's
2: it's a good show. It's
1: indescribable is one thing. It's, <laughs> it's just it's just something I got to recommend, but the only thing I can say about it is it this was a very good show and I'd be glad I'd be glad to see it performed again.
2: All right, well thank you for that review. As you can tell, very it touched you in a way that you could you were at a loss for words, let's yes. say. All right. So next we have um we have a special guest. We have Gail uh, Suderman with us and I'm just going to give a Quick little intro about Good Noise Vancouver Gospel Choir. They're doing a treasured annual tradition called Celebrate a Good Noise Christmas, which takes place on December 11th and 12th, 2015, 8 p.m. at Christ Church Cathedral and December 13th, 2015 at 3 p.m. at the Fraser View MB Church. Welcome to the show, Gail. Hi there.
0: Hi there. Thanks very much. It's great to be with you.
2: No problem. I know we had a few little technical difficulties in getting you on, but I'm so glad that you're here.
0: Yeah, I'm glad we got that sorted out.
2: So let's talk a little bit about the event. For our listeners who don't know, can you tell us more about what Celebrate is?
0: Um, well, the, the, it's the title of our concert series this mm-hmm. weekend, our Christmas concert series. So celebrate, basically celebrate Christmas, celebrate music, celebrate singing, um, just a whole variety of um, you know ideas. It's it's sort of the season where people are looking for things to celebrate. I think Christmas kind of um, gets all of us going in yeah. that way, right? The Haldi so um, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. So we decided to call our concert "Celebrate" um, to go with the, the spirit of the season, and uh, we have three concerts this coming weekend.
2: And from what I hear, all three performances in your past year actually sold out, right?
0: Well, uh, two of them have. Last oh, okay. year, our two, two concerts at Christchurch Cathedral sold out, mm-hmm. uh, and we were pretty full for the third one as well, but there was still a little bit of room. But this year, our two concerts at Christchurch Cathedral have also sold out.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they sold out pretty early, but we still have um, a good number of tickets for our Sunday matinee concert in Richmond.
2: So I can tell, very, very popular, especially with the you know, people of Vancouver. Is it because the popularity comes from the idea that they are actually part of this amazing sort of you know, gospel, it's gospel, singing?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, gospel, it's a gospel choir. Yes. Um, and the, it, it is Christmas music, but it's done in, in um, uh, you know really energetic gospel mm-hmm. style. And I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there where our audiences feel a part of it. Mm-hmm. like um oftentimes you know people go to concerts and rightfully so depending on the kind of concert where they're observers and they take it in quietly mm-hmm. and that suits certain venues and certain types of music um with our music it's i think it's a music that really engages people they they are free to participate in terms of clapping along and singing along and especially with christmas songs because so many people know Christmas songs, right? So <laughs> right. it, it kind of gets them going. Um, even a bit of dancing in the aisles for those who are brave and, really? and stuff who just can't help themselves. <laughs> um, so yeah, it is a real—it's a real atmosphere of celebration, and you know, it's become a tradition for a lot of people to come back again and again each year. Mm-hmm. Um, each year, we get more and more people commenting that it's—it's it's the event that they mark on their calendars, oh, and I that's think. So nice. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons. Well, I know that's one of the reasons why our, our um, Vancouver concerts sell out so quickly is because people are looking for those tickets earlier each year. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we have that third venue in Richmond, which seats actually a lot of people. It's you know eight to nine hundred people, so we can we can host a lot of people in the audience for for a lot of good energy.
2: Mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to ask is because this is this is another year of this really cool event. What do you do? every year to kind of switch up the lineup or, you know, bring something, bring some of that old, but bring some of that new. What's new for 2015?
0: Yeah. And it is a combination of the old that mm-hmm. people love and the new each year. Uh, what's new for 2015, first of all, is our guest artist, David Sinclair. Mm-hmm. Fabulous guitarist. He's known Canada wide and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the highlights of his career, uh, guitarist for Sarah McLaughlin and Katie Lang and mm-hmm. Michael Buble and, you know he's he's played a huge sort of uh, concert tour circuit over the years. He's been on huge numbers of of shows, um, you know all the late night shows and stuff. Um, really well respected guitarist, just talented like crazy. So he has his own Christmas CD out, uh, mm-hmm. and I've known him for a few years, so I thought, wow, it would be great to bring him in. He also is a great singer. So he'll be playing guitar and singing and be featured in the concert. So that's new this year, first time he's been our guest artist. Mm-hmm. And then we introduce new music each year, oh. whether it's new new arrangements of songs that um, you know people are familiar with. Uh, for example, there's a great arrangement. Um, it's actually Glee from the show Glee yes. um, of Angels. We have heard on high that we've incorporated. Uh, I do some arranging and bring some new music each year. Um, the gospel greats that people who know gospel music would know, people like Richard Smallwood and CeCe Winans and mm-hmm. and um, and folks like that. So we, I tap into a whole range of music that hopefully people, well, they do they do like and be able to participate in as well. So,
1: yeah. So would you say there's a contemporary element to these styles?
0: It's a oh yeah yeah the, the yeah gospel music is is a. Um, It's something that reflects um, sort of the styles of the day. Mm -hmm. If you think about Aretha Franklin back in the 60s, right, the Queen of Soul when she first really rose to popularity, that sound that she brought into sort of mainstream music was right out of the church. Her father was a minister in the church. Same with people like Ray Charles back in the day in the 50s and 60s when he rose to popularity. A lot of that that sound that they brought into mainstream sort of R&B and soul music that came out of the sort of the church setting in the african American church setting, mm-hmm. and that's sort of what what gospel music has maintained that over the years is whatever the popular music of the day is, it really relates or it it reflects that in a lot of ways. so you have artists like Kirk Franklin who incorporate sort of the hip hop sound and you know r and b and funk and rock and uh, you know sort of the power ballad sound all of that's incorporated. And our concerts, um, this Christmas concert, definitely reflects that. There's a whole range of music. And then we're even uh, tapping into a bit of um, Sting. Um, oh, has wow. done oh, some yeah. great arrangements of um, Christmas music of his on his album, On a Winter's Night, which mm-hmm. came out oh, a few years ago. So we we're incorporating that into David's um, sets of music as well. So just, yeah, and I think that's what keeps it fresh, too, is there's so many... Um, different kinds of styles to tap into mm-hmm. that you can highlight the more traditional gospel that people would recognize if you think of um well if you even think of like movies like the blues brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Or choral performances. Uh, and and that uh, that scene with James Brown yeah, he, and, and the blues John Belushi doing
1: backflips through the church. That's
0: right. Mm-hmm. So you get that kind of sound, you know, in, in that kind of gospel music mm-hmm. and then you get the more contemporary sound of maybe pop music, a um, mm-hmm. little bit of the ballad, like a Luther Vandross kind of sound. Mm. Um, uh, whole kinds of you know all kinds of uh, of styles that um, have influenced gospel. So we incorporate them all.
1: So gospel and R and are, B are tied together pretty strongly because I, I heard that Ray Charles, uh, when he was when he invented basically he invented soul music by putting. Uh, by creating uh, by writing a song like a gospel song, but making it about uh, about a woman sort of about God,
0: yes, was yeah, that? yeah. and you that? know what, back in the day and and even since then too, because there was overlap like that, folks in the church got really upset that he kind of took their yeah. music uh-huh. and secularized it in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know it it kind of goes both ways. Even when I was growing up and kind of discovering gospel music and stuff, There were, you know, kind of depended on the church and stuff, but there were people who said, no, we don't want that popular music influencing, you know, our church music, and yet the church said, don't you take our music out into the popular, you know, like, Uh everybody's kind of protecting theirs a little bit, and I think just because of, you know, they, they more wanted to protect their message, I think, than the style of music, but... I think just the power of music was too strong. I mean, the influence just crossed those borders, right, crossed those boundaries. Um, and I think that's the great thing about that kind of music is anybody can take it and, and uh, create something wonderful out of it, no matter what their intention is in the message, whether it's gospel or, you know, like Ray Charles writing about whatever he wrote about. It's, it's, um, it's something that a whole lot of people can tap into. Mm-hmm. And I think that, too, is one of the reasons why we get a lot of non-church people who come to our concerts, because we, we're a community choir, first of all. We don't actually, like, we're, we didn't grow out of a church in that sense. So we have a lot of people in our choir who just love gospel music, love to sing it, who weren't, didn't ever grow up in a church background and still don't go. And we get a lot of people who come to our concerts in the audience who... Because it's it's a real celebration of gospel music itself, and we do you know the messages there too—that mm-hmm. sort of message of love and peace and hope and stuff. But um, it's I think it's very attractive to people who don't normally you know step foot in a church on a regular basis. So, and we don't just perform in churches, but these concerts just happen to be in them. So,
2: is your choir a large choir? It says it is a ninety voice choir.
0: Yeah, we got we got ninety people in in the um, choir, mm-hmm. and we stay about at that number. We've been at that number for a few years now, and uh, each year it just sometimes we have a few more, sometimes a few less, but basically we sit at around ninety people.
2: Based, it, it's kind of it has kind of like that really w- big appeal I think because again you get kind of like that visual spectacle of you know ninety you know people oh, yeah. with such beautiful voices. Well, I saw Ode Joy powerhouse. at the Chan
1: Center and they had this big yeah. choir in the back and I I can I that's what I'm imagining now in the church with that uh, that in, that imagery it's just a, it's a powerful sight and there's these, these powerful vocal I mean it just it's it's not it's just amazing it's an experience. Yeah, you're it's, absolutely optimum. right.
0: The combination of the two, mm-hmm. um, there is that. You know, and and in our choir too, we really emphasize a sense of the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, now we we work collectively to create a really great unified sound, and you know, and 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 are very aware of each other. But I also really stress that I want each individual singer to really feel like they are making a huge contribution um, to the choir, and that they should freely express what they want to express. You know, without upstaging each other, but to show their individuality, and that has really, I've had feedback from audiences that that really has distinguished the choir in a lot of respects, Um, just because you have the, sort of that powerful force of the whole, Mm -hmm. but um, just that real attraction of of the individuals within the choir as well and the joy that they bring.
2: Now, uh, Gail, you're also the artistic director of uh, Good Noise. I wanted to ask, because this is such a huge event, but... After December, do you have anything else you know, planned for Good Noise Vancouver Gospel Choir?
0: Yeah, we have a full season, actually. and oh. We go from September to mm-hmm. the end of May. Um, our Christmas concerts are, are our first sort of big event of our season. We take the summer off, so we come back together in September, mm-hmm. start rehearsing again. Uh, in February for Black History Month, we do a workshop concert weekend where we invite anybody from the community. They have to register in advance. But they come and sing, join the choir for a full day of learning music, sing together with the choir, and then on a Saturday, and then on the Sunday afternoon, um, they uh, sing with us in concert and with our band, and we do like a bona fide concert, and and they can see what it's like to sing in the gospel choir. They don't have to audition to do it at that point. Uh, and then we have our, our season end Concerts at the end of May as well, mm-hmm. um, and those are the last Saturday in May. And this year we're having for our Black History Month concert, a um, fabulous gospel um, singer named Crystal Hicks, who's really well known. Um, mm-hmm. Crystal
1: um, Hicks, that's a name.
0: Yeah, and she has she sung with us before, uh, but great gospel voice. And then at the end of the year, because we were talking about soul music, yes. uh, we have Don Pemberton booked, who is just a fabulous soul singer. Um, and who's gonna join us for those concerts at the end of the year. So lots of lots of exciting things yeah, coming up. Yeah, lots of up. exciting and, things
2: coming up. Definitely. Yeah.
0: But And all that information's on our website too mm-hmm. if anybody's interested. So
2: But definitely the biggest one that's happening that's coming up that everyone needs to know that listeners should even, you know, think about going and do it, is Celebrate. It is a good noise Christmas. It takes place December 11th and 12th at 8 p.m. at Christchurch Cathedral and then December 13th at 3 p.m. at the Fraser View MB Church. If people want to go to the event, would there, uh, is it? do you have tickets on your website?
0: We have Yeah, we have direct links. We sell our tickets through Brown Paper Tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they go to our website, goodnoisevgc.com, um they can click on under Concerts and Events, and there's a direct link to ticket purchase through online. And for Sunday's concert, there definitely would be some tickets at the door as well, because of the mm-hmm. size of the venue. We can accommodate a lot of people.
2: As as people can you know definitely see, you have a lot in store for the public. This sounds like a really fun, great event, especially for those who are ready to get into the holiday spirit. And thank you so much for joining us on the show today.
0: It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye.
2: Man, there's so much things happening.
1: I'll tell you, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I I saw Ode to Joy, I mentioned this, I saw Ode to Joy at the Chan Center, that's what it got me thinking of a, a mm-hmm. little bit ago, and I think we had uh, the fellow uh, who, uh, the conductor yes, in here that's right. for that night. I, I wasn't able to see his uh, his reworking of the, um, oh, who's the Erkoneg guy? Um, the the, the Erkoneg, that's the thing. I remember he was doing a reworking of this uh, one thing, but the guy did that Erkonig and I can't, uh, I can't. Do you
2: mean Winterreise?
1: That's it. That's yep. it, because it's... it's sing- by
2: Hans Zegner. Zimner, Zegner. I kind of remember. Right? It's been two weeks. But anyways...
1: But, uh, so I saw Ode to Joy, oh, where he how conducted was it. it. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, well, the Beethoven's Ninth, and they had Prokofia before that. And uh, Prokofia was very short, only about 15 minutes, because he mm-hmm. introduced uh, the Hans Karl... Um, okay, I'm really starting to worry about. I get hit in the head a lot, so this makes sense. But it might be, the original conductor yeah. <laughs> yeah. of the BBC Symphony when it started up in 1959 mm-hmm. was there, and um, he was there, and I I was there with uh, my aunt and my uncle. and We had these great tickets. We were right in the center, mm-hmm. so we could see this this great act. There was um, there were two uh, for O Joy. The Ode to Joy, which is the only part which had singers, which is yes. the second half is Beethoven's Ninth. It's about it's between music, yes. sixty seventy minutes long. So the end of that is Ode to Joy, which is... I know most of Beethoven's Ninth from Clockwork Orange, so I recognize some bits here and there. Uh But Ode to Joy is just a rousing piece of music. Like, there's... um, In the 19... I think in the... In the early in the late nineteen ten in the mid early 1910s, just before yeah. the First World War, the socialists in Europe they played the Ode to, joy, Ode to Joy as um this rallying call because that's what it is. The Ode to Joy's lyrics go, "Oh my, it's it's not socialist. I'm not saying that. It, it predated <laughs> that well uh, a point well before that. But it's yeah. oh my brothers. It's all about unity, about the humanity uniting in joy. It's an amazing message. That that seems like a yeah. gospel message actually.
2: It, I think a lot of the reason why, like even I don't really particularly um, you know I'm, I don't like search up gospel music on YouTube or something like that but when I hear gospel music I kind of go yeah I like it like there's like a weird universal like I like that sort of quality to all these kind of group musics that when you have a lot of choir people and then kind of just like join together you kind of go I like that I like that I really do
1: well it's uh- she she hit the nail on the head when yeah. she mentioned it's the root of R and B like guys mm-hmm. like uh, Ray Charles Aretha Franklin all the way up to Mariah Carey and yes R Kelly uh, use a mm-hmm. vocal technique that is just well for one thing it's incredibly hard to do it, it's it's a very demanding vocal technique but mm-hmm. it's impressive and it's 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 church music it's a vocal technique for that and they fuse that Ray Charles at the time R and B was was rhythm and blues it was blues. With um, or it was it was blues-based music with an orchestral bit to it, and gradually enough that that changed in the seven uh, through the sixties. You had uh, Motown and Stax records, and then the seventies refined that, and then brought it in with disco, and then eighties R and B was a strange time. But then you had New Jack Swing in the nineties that used beats like uh, like hip hop combined with R and B singing, which uh, probably lays the groundwork for what R and B is today, um, which. In all honesty, is is a lot less cohesive than than gospel music is because gospel music is very united in terms oh, of oh yeah um, it
2: is quite united yeah, it's influenced its material yeah the rhythm and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I
1: uh, I I'm I was raised Catholic. I didn't have a lot of experience with gospel music, but I it, it's it's uh, it's it's what I it's what I can discern from its roots in classic R and B, which I really love. Modern B not so much. I think that there was a drift, a significant. Uh, there's a significant drift between uh, Ray Sar- Ray Charles and Trey songs. Mm-hmm. There's a it's 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 it gets larger. I think that said, I I I am not a, um, I do not know much about gospel music, so no, I just I would say that yeah, I that sounds like a show I would like to see. Like very impressive, very vi- visually as well as sonically impressive. Mm-hmm. So like that's, I, I you gotta get, I gotta give respect for that. Like as but as a show, you have to.
2: It's, they just raise the bar
1: and and there's one thing the blues brothers point was an also an excellent one because James Brown. Now James Brown was not really what I'd think of when I think of uh train vocals. He was mostly kind of shouting, but it's <laughs> that's it like that's 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 a like a, like the the higher bar of great show. And there's a scene in the blues brothers where the it's just James Brown is the priest. Why that happened, I have no idea, but it's <laughs> it's and he just Gets everybody moving, and then John Belushi is he's doing these cartwheels or, or backflips, you know, up and down the the uh, the aisle of the church, and mm-hmm. it's just that's that's. Uh, and, she, and she brought that up. I was like, you know what? If if the, if, the, if that's the benchmark for this show, I am I want to see this show. Like this sounds completely awesome. I I I, I, I that, that's yeah. you know James Brown.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Well, that's it for uh, today, guys. We hope that you enjoyed listening to us, Uh, CATR 101.9 FM, the arts report broadcasting from unceded Musqueam territory in Vancouver. Um, Unfortunately, for this week, we don't have your newest episode of Sharing Science. I'm so sorry, guys. Oh. I'm sorry, Jake. I know you like those shows.
0: Oh
1: yeah, I, you know, I, it's a good show. I have okay. Here's it's, some here's some minor applied chemistry. <laughs> so you take this grapefruit, right? So I bought okay. a whole bunch of grapefruit yesterday. Okay.
2: we're doing a little mini uh, and, sharing yeah, science with you. So
1: so I put. So I took a slice of this grapefruit, and I put salt on it, and I ate that. Just the flesh, not the rind, which okay. is unspeakably bitter, and I like tonic water and black coffee. So it's—but it's. it's but you eat the flesh of it with the salt, and it tastes bizarrely like an oyster. At least what? I think. I really like oysters, and I haven't had one in a while, but uh, it, it, it was it tasted strangely like an oyster. I ate an entire grapefruit. I was— I was, I was, I was, this was the middle of the night. And okay, I was okay. watching a Woody all all movie right, and right. grapefruit. Anyways,
2: anyways, thank you so much for listening to The Arts Report. We will return next week on Wednesday at 5 o'clock. Unfortunately, I will not be at that event because I will mm. be in exams. Uh, and then I'll be flying to Los Angeles. But anyways, thank you so much for joining us today. Hope you have a very pleasant day and restful exam season i know that's basically kind of like you know impossible but you know hang in there guys hang in there thank you so much for listening
3: cheers folks